Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Cast. The questions asked if movies have women in them Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands Or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast Start changing it with the Bechdel cast Hello! Hello. Welcome to the Bechdel cast! Jamie, Here. you got me a marmalade pillow. You made it for I me. I made you a marmalade pillow. Oh. And I got I got a second, I got a little companion over here. Please look This bitch this got crafty. Bear. I did it. I did it. Yeah. I, I'm also cosplaying as Paddington yes. for the listeners at home, but I am going to take it off. <laughs> I was like, uh. truly a brilliant move for our audio podcast. <laughs> it looks incredible. I am I mean, it's Caitlin's birthday. Give it up for Caitlin. <laughs> Give it up for her birthday. It's her Jordan year. It's her Christ year. She's living in it. Class of 2019, yeah. right? <laughs> really incredible stuff. Thank you so much. Uh, uh, thanks for coming to the Bechdel cast. Yeah, thank you. We're so excited for tonight. It's Paddington it's night. It's Paddington for night. For crying out loud. <laughs> Big My night for favorite. us. Uh, so, so quick survey. Uh, clap if, if you've listened to the Bechdel cast before. <laughs> Amazing. And then clap, don't be shy you are the person that has been dragged here by someone else. <gasps> yeah! We've got okay, a few. We've got, oh, we got a hesitant, yeah. There, there's, it's always a trickle. It's always someone who's like, I'm a coward. Like, uh, <laughs> cool. Well, thank you for being here. We're psyched that you're here. Out of curiosity, is there anyone who has not seen the Paddingtons? Both. <gasps> Don't raise your hand. You clap. It's an audio medium. <laughs> So oh, wow. They're, they're not the show, not the movie. What's going on here? Well, I had only I had only seen the movie. I made you watch recently. it on Christmas. On Christmas, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we're all on a, our own Paddington journey. That's true. That's yeah. true. I don't want to shame anyone. But round of applause, <laughs> who has seen the Paddingtons? Oh. Oh. You've only seen oh, one. one. That's okay. okay. Yeah, got it, got just it, got just it. Hit, hit yourself. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that seems like a reasonable compromise. 
so the Bechdel cast, yes. for the, the two people who are here and everyone at home, we are a podcast that looks at popular movies from a feminist perspective using the Bechdel test as a jumping off point. That's right. And the Bechdel test, if you're not familiar, requires that two female identifying characters have names. They're in the movie together. They have to talk to each other and they can't talk about men or Paddington, unfortunately. I Although mean, I think any conversation about Paddington still passes the Bechdel test. I disagree. Okay. <laughs> he is a male-identifying bear. It's my birthday, but fine. <laughs> disagree. Uh, can we demo the, the Bechdel test? Because I do have a Bechdel <gasps> test relevant yes. question. Okay. Hi, Caitlin. Hi, Jamie. Do you think Nicole Kidman's wig is, <laughs> is more egregious in Paddington 1 or Big Little Lies Season 1? I have not seen Big Little Lies. If you've seen the poster, you've seen the wig. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with Big Little Lies then because everything about Paddington is perfect. Okay, fair. Fair. At least in Paddington, I'm like, it's supposed to look like it's a wig. Whereas in Big Little Lies, it's very distracting. <laughs> Um, well, that was my Bechdel test. <laughs> we did end up talking about Paddington. You ended up. Oh, well, Paddington won, I guess. Paddington the I movie, guess. not Paddington the Paddington bear. Paddington the movie is genderless. Yes. yes. Genderless icon, Paddington yes. the movie. <laughs> Should we bring out our guest? Yeah, I'm so excited. <laughs> you know him from being a TV writer. He is the co-host of Punch Up the Jam podcast. He's also been a previous guest of ours on our Star Wars Force Awakens episode. Give it up for Demi Adijuibe! Yeah. Hi! What's up? Hi! Thanks for coming back. Thank yeah. you for having me back. Uh, also, in defense of you saying that Paddington doesn't count for the Bechdel cast, it's you, you can't talk about a man, right? Yes. yes. He a boy. <laughs> oh, true. He's just a little baby boy. <laughs> we found a loophole. Yeah. <laughs> we had to start the podcast over. <laughs> great, great. So, Demi, thank you so much for being here. Of course. Yeah. What's your history, your relationship with the Paddington movies? Oh, wow. I feel like uh, you just asked me, Grandpa, tell me a story about the war, and I'm like, oh... <laughs> Paddington. But like a really wonderful war that yeah. we all love so much. This is how this is how Titanic starts and I just leave out the I, everything after the sex. I'm like, no, that didn't happen. It's just a nice boat ride. Yeah. Um, <laughs> basically, Paddington, people were like freaking out about Paddington too, mm -hmm. and I was kind of like, okay, well, everyone seems to really unironically love it. I'm going to go see it. And I went to see it with a bunch of friends, and then I was like, wow, that was a delight, but I haven't seen Paddington 1. So, I went home the, like, the next day, watched Paddington 1 because it was on Netflix, and then I was like, I think you texted me going like, have you seen Paddington? I was like, no, but I want to see it again. And we went and saw Paddington 2 mm -hmm. in theaters. I think it was my second time, your third time at the time. Yes. Yes. And I was just like, this movie's very good. Yeah. <laughs> it's very good. Oh, uh -huh. It's just so pleasant. Didn't you get kicked off of Twitter for a Paddington Oh, yes. yes. Yeah, Please for defending his this. honor. This is the war part of the story. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, Basically, uh, a friend of mine, Ben Khan, was tweeting one day that uh, he was jokingly saying, well, guys, just finally saw Paddington 2, and I got to say, that bear, kind of a naive dipshit. And yeah. oh. I know. Fair point? Uh, no. Half a fair point. fair point. He's naive, but we love him for He's it. He's not a dipshit. No. So Most basically, I responded to him saying, as a joke, I just said, I will fucking kill you, Benjamin. <laughs> and 
Twitter don't like that. No. So someone basically started like abusing the report system and got me kicked off. And then everyone was like, hey, what are you, why are you, no, hey, that's not how it works. Mm -hmm. And Twitter was like, yeah, okay, sorry. Well, Damn. I'm glad you're back on Twitter. Oh, me too. <laughs> no, victory. I mean. <laughs> Jamie, what's your history with Paddington? You harassed me until I watched it on Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> Is I liked. I did remember. I watched. Uh, there was a TV series that I watched when I was younger, and I read some of the books. It wasn't like it was weird. I was more attached to Babar when I was a kid. Oh, Any not Babar so attached that you did You don't know him as Baybar. Baybar. I don't. Well, I well no. <laughs> is it Baybar? I think it is Baybar, but. Really? Oh, I, I just know. looked at someone like that. I was trying to cross. -check. I feel like this is a moment when I realize. Why did I confidently correct you <laughs> mid-phrase? This is like when one time I thought I knew how to say Ewan McGregor's last name. Oh, my God. Wait, Ewan? It's Ewan. Ewan? Yeah. That doesn't make but any sense. But you kept saying Ewan. 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 I guess I, uh, but I said it really, I said it really Ewan confident. McGregor. I was like, Ugh, you're like, McGregor. it's thin. He was named by Arnold Schwarzenegger, so <laughs> you were saying, Ewan McGregor. Ewan McGregor. You know, there's no way to know how Babar, Babar. I don't even know who Babar is. Ba is Babar a bear? Oh, elephant oh, in the suit, baby. Okay, He's I know a crown. that. British elephant suit, crown. Okay. What more do you want? Is he British? I, I, I know think he's that. British. Yeah. I'm, I'm learning things. <laughs> there. <laughs> anyways, uh, you know, we gotta get that. Fr Where's the social justice Babar franchise? <laughs> Good question. You gotta make it happen. So Next I made time. you, I harassed you into watching, watching it, the movies. both of them back to back on Christmas. Mm -hmm. And I did love them. And then I, I watched them back for this and I still love them. It hasn't been that long. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Caitlin? <laughs> well, I. <laughs> <laughs> you know that I love these movies. I saw the first one, not right when it came out, but I would say like late 2015 into 2016, oh, so I think. Early. Yeah, I saw Paddington 2 in theaters four times, and I just love it so much. It makes me cry. Even when I'm watching it, the parts that don't make me cry, I, I just think about the parts that do make me cry, and then I <laughs> cry anyway. So the act of crying through Paddington has become like a sort of meta exercise in that the crying is so much a part of it that you have to think of either the fact that you are crying or the lack of tears. Yes. Wow. Yeah. I appreciate when a movie tells me when to cry via music. Oh. Because <laughs> sometimes you're like, oh, wait, I'm heartless. How do I know? And then the movie goes like, da, 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 and you're like, oh, I'm oh. crying. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. That was Avengers Endgame. I didn't know what the fuck was going on. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. 500 characters I never heard of. So, wait, did you watch Endgame having not seen any of it? I'd seen like three out of 20, and then I went to see Endgame, and I was in. I was weeping, but I, only when I was told. That is just, it's, <laughs> I feel like I'm getting off on a different thing here, but I'm like, that is fascinating, because I feel like even with three, you kind of get it all. You, you understand get, it. I mean, it's easy to be like, oh, they're friends. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, should I do the recap? Let's do it. So I'm going to recap both movies in a slightly less detailed way than I normally do because we, we have a finite amount of time for the show. And we got two movies to talk about. Recap. Here we go. So Paddington 1, it's about a little bear. <laughs> I'm already crying. Go on. Um, he immigrates to London from darkest Peru. He's trying to find a new home after an earthquake destroys 
his home that he lives in with his Aunt Lucy and Uncle Pastuzo. Mm -hmm. Uh, He goes looking for (laughs) the explorer who his aunt and uncle had met when the explorer went on an expedition to Peru. And this explorer discovered that the bears can talk and he introduces them to marmalade and he teaches them English and he is clearly actively trying he's to colonize colonial, yeah, he's a colonial Peru. man but then he doesn't so we love him uh, <laughs> he thought about it but then he's like they can speak English I won't colonize them right. he's bad so anyway uh, the little bear arrives in London and people aren't as welcoming as he thought they would be but eventually a family finds him at Paddington Station. Which is basically the Ellis Island of this movie. Right. It's like if everyone who came to Ellis Island was named Ellis Island. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Uh, And this is the Brown family. Um, It's Mrs. Brown who names him Paddington, Mr. Brown, uh, their kids, Judy and Jonathan, and then a, a relative, Mrs. Bird, who we meet a little later on. Is that Ron Weasley's mom? Yes, that is Julie yes. Walters. Yeah. Also yes. in Mamma Mia. Yeah. And Mary Poppins Returns. Oh, wow. Ooh, good what for a, her. What a career she's Man. had. <laughs> a salute to Julie Walters. <laughs> yes. Okay. What a strong four years she's had. <laughs> yeah. So the family takes Paddington home, and they promise to help him find this explorer. Important to note that Mr. Brown is pretty racist towards bears. <laughs> He's a full-on xenophobe. I think, honestly, in the Brown family, in the first movie, you're like, the Brexit vote is split in this household. Yeah. Alone. It makes you wonder why Mr. and Mrs. Brown are married. I wonder this whole franchise why she doesn't dump his ass. Yeah. Oh, my God. This movie is the cute version of Green Book. (laughs) Because in that same sense, Linda Cardellini is like, oh, my husband's thrown... Am I spoiling Green Book for anyone? Just kidding. It spoils itself. (laughs) Basically, he, like, throws away two uh, glasses that's, like, two black construction workers drink out of, which is just a vile act of racism. It's like, they touch this. I can't have it in my home. And she just looks at it in the trash and goes like, oh, my husband... Like, she's just like, oh, racism's such an Aww. inconvenience. Yeah. By the end, I'm wasting so many glasses. Yes. But by the end, he learns to love the man. Wow. Yes, he certainly just does. Just like Mr. Brown. Well, S- Sally Hawkins, I mean, in that relationship, she must be addicted to emotional labor, because that's all that is for her, mm. is her being like, in the first movie, she's like, please don't be racist. In the second movie, she's like, please don't hate people who go to prison so much. And every time... Mr. Brown gets to be do the cathartic speech at the end and be like, I figured it out. I shouldn't be racist. Yeah. And we're like, yes. So you just got to be like, ha ha, yeah, yes, yep, you yeah. did it. Good job. <laughs> so uh, one of the reasons that Mr. Brown isn't a big fan of Paddington is that he does mess up their house a lot. Because he's a clumsy little bear. He can't help it. It's cute. The allegory falls away at this point, <laughs> yeah. by the way. Yeah. <laughs> And then meanwhile, Nicole Kidman is in, in the movie with a wig. <laughs> Nicole Kidman and Nicole Kidman's wig. Please yes. don't forget. They are, se- they are credited wig. separately. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. The wig got higher billing. Yeah. <laughs> the wig is union, baby. She finds out that this little bear is in town, and then she goes looking for him because she wants to kill and stuff him. And then there's also a racist neighbor, Mr. Curry, 
who's trying to help Nicole Kidman because he also hates bears. Meanwhile, uh, Paddington and the Browns continue to try to track down the explorer with the help of Mr. Gruber and Paddington's hat. That leads them to the Geographer's Guild. And then they learn the name of the explorer, Montgomery Clyde. So then Paddington is about to go, like, find Montgomery Clyde. But then he overhears Mr. Brown being like, Paddington sucks and he's putting our family in danger. Yeah, and then Sally Hawkins is like, kind of. (laughs) (laughs) So Paddington leaves, and we cry. Then he goes to the the last M. Clyde in the book, and it's the same house that Nicole Kidman lives at. And her wig. And her wig. She kidnaps him, and it turns out that she is the daughter of the explorer, and that she is bitter that her late father uh, refused to collect the specimen of this species of bears who can Woman talk. in STEM with daddy issues? Man. Yeah. <laughs> Home run. So then the Browns go to rescue Paddington because uh, they realize how good this wee bear is for the family. And then Paddington almost dies. <laughs> but then the Browns save him and they bring him into their family as one of their own. The end. Of the first one. Of the first one. <laughs> Yes, and now on to Paddington 2, the best movie ever made. Um, he, the allegory's back. The al- yes, a different one. It disappears for a few calendar <laughs> years. They're like, all right, the first act set up, it's going to be just like this thing. It's like, all right, but what about when he's like uh, making sandwiches? All right, it's, it's a different movie then. <laughs> <laughs> I like when, I want to imagine like the Paddington 2 pitch of like someone busting down the door. They'd be like, this is an indictment of the prison industrial complex. <laughs> And they're like, yeah, sure. (laughs) Hello, listeners. It was at this point during the live show that something happened to our recording. The connection was lost. Our live show curse endures. Yes, but it was only for five minutes. So we only lost five minutes of audio. At this point, the assassins came into the room. (laughs) So we were fighting them off. And Hugh Hugh Grant came in and was like, no. Very showy. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So here's what you missed. Yes. So we're just going to, we're in the studio now. We're we're filling in the gaps. Mind the gap. Mind the, oh, because Britain. Because of British. Love it. Yes. Okay. So here's the recap to Pat. Paddington 2. Paddington has been living with the Browns for a few years now. Mm -hmm. They all love each other. Everything is great until Paddington is in the wrong place at the wrong time. And he... A likely story. uh, So typical of Paddington. (laughs) Um, And he is accused of stealing a pop-up book of London, which is the same book that he was saving up money for to buy from as a gift Jim for his Brandt. Aunt Lucy. Yeah. Yes, from Mr. Gruber. Mm-hmm. Um, because he wants to give something to Aunt Lucy for her birthday. Oh. And I also had a birthday. Icon, paying it forward. Love yes. it. We find out that the actual thief is their new neighbor, Phoenix Buchanan, played by Hugh Grant in the role of a lifetime. Really incredible. Seeing Hugh Grant in this role made me think about how he should have been Count Olaf in a series of unfortunate events. He's doing basically the same character and doing circles around Neil Patrick Harris <laughs> and Jim Carrey. Yes. Yes. So Phoenix Buchanan stole the book because it turns out that it's a treasure map to Madame Koslova's fortune that Phoenix is also planning to steal. Doy. But Paddington is tried, convicted, and sent to prison very quickly this all happens and honestly i was just like damn parliament is so much more efficient they work than swiftly. the american justice system <laughs> yes in our in america it would have been 
a three-month-long televised event. Right. But there's just a female judge is like, fuck you, go to jail. No, it's a, uh, it's a male – it's a female lawyer in oh, Paddington, sorry. too, but it's the male judge who gets his head buzzed Parliament's because of Paddington. Yes. Anyway, so he gets sent to prison for Phoenix's crime, and the Browns work to clear Paddington's name, and eventually Mrs. Brown figures okay. out that it is Phoenix – Buchanan, who's the real thief, but by that time, a few of the other prisoners have convinced Paddington to break out of prison with them, but not before Paddington has reformed the prison and made a lot of baked goods there. Right. I do love the prison reform message. I will say when they escaped prison, we don't know what they're guilty of. And it may, in fact, be very dangerous that certain prisoners escape. They might be rapists and murderers. Literally, like, (laughs) statistics, I mean, at least one Shouldn't have gotten out of jail. Yeah. There's plenty of false over-convictions. Prison industrial complex is strong. Yes. But at least one. There's like seven of them. I'm like, at least one person really should have stayed in jail. I'm hoping they were all there on like minor marijuana possession charges. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. (laughs) Yeah. They just like live somewhere where it's not quite legal and they Mm -hmm. got busted like three years too early. I have no idea if marijuana is legal in the UK or not. Uh, Ooh, listeners English listeners Good let question. us know are you high right now and if so is, <laughs> is it, it legal, legal? <laughs> um so they the prisoners have convinced Paddington to break out with them because they've convinced him that it's his only chance to clear his name right so Paddington escapes and then he realizes that they've lied to him so he goes off on his own and he contacts the Browns and they tell him to meet them at Paddington Station, wouldn't you believe it? Classic. Because that is where the Koslova Traveling Fair is about to leave from, and that is also where they think Phoenix Buchanan is about to steal the fortune from. Ugh, I love a third act. Everyone's got to be in this location at this time. Mm-hmm. So they all, they find him, they're chasing after him on various trains, and then they all finally stop Phoenix, but then Paddington almost dies again. I mean, the train scene is incredibly done. Like, I think for everyone at the live show, it was evoking something a little bit different. For me, it was the Bye 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 music video. Sure, sure, sure. For mm-hmm. me, it was um, the end of Back to the Future 3 mm-hmm. and also the beginning of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. For me, it was really just the Bye 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 music video. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. And then Mrs. Brown saves Paddington with the help of the prisoner buddies who come back for him. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then at the very end, the Browns and the whole neighborhood get together and they surprise Paddington by bringing Aunt Lucy to London to see him. And we cry. We cry so much. It's so beautiful. Oh, I love this movie so much. (laughs) He respects women He does. Feminist icon Paddington. (gasps) Can we make that shirt, please? I guess so. I feel like he doesn't really... (laughs) Um, I'm sorry. You guess so? I mean, he's not really doing... He's not out there at the protests, you know? uh, Yet? He's, He's... I think Paddington... Does the bare minimum, which we appreciate. The bare minimum? The bare, there's the shirt. Paddington doing the bare minimum. But that's not true. He does the bare maximum. Can you say that on the the shirt? I think that's a good (laughs) compromise. (laughs) Once Paddington shows up at a rally, then, you know, he'll achieve feminist icon Let's put it to a vote. On our our Twitter, we're going to have the different design options. And then let's let the the listeners decide. Yeah. Well, you know they're going to be like, I like bare. God damn it. I don't want to make this shirt i'll make it i'm not a very good artist but i'll do all for, pa- for paddington i will design Sold. this okay cool so we have to go to a quick break and then we will come right back 
Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford. And I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. When Dr. Sabah and I decided to do a skincare line together, he said to me, we are going to give women meaningful beauty. And I said, that's exactly right. We want to give women meaningful beauty, which means each and every product is meaningful. It has a, a reason to exist. It's efficacious. You're going to get results. And then you just go out and live your life. Meaningful beauty. Confidence is beautiful. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. And we're back. We're still in the studio because the yes, because the the very beginning of our discussion got cut off. But hopefully, we'll find a way to smoothly transition back into the live show. Here we go. Uh, So something that stuck out to me, and I think it's worth you know discussing, is in both of the Paddington movies, there is a use of what I viewed to be kind of a tropey use of sudden maternal instinct syndrome uh, in regards to the Paddington character. That will work as an effective transition back into the live show. Which mm-hmm. we see in a million movies of like the second that Mary Brown sees Paddington, she's like, we have to help him. I am mommy. And then in Paddington 2, it kind of even doubles down on that where like Aunt Lucy sees Paddington, the little cub, and is like, we're not moving because I'm mommy, <laughs> like it's 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 fairly intense. Yeah, I choose to see all of that <laughs> as Mary and Judy and Mrs. Bird just being very active participants in the story. <laughs> I, but I will say, I mean, it is like worth noting that we don't see any male character have that inherent caring. Which I wish they're too busy being racist against. Right. I will also say that the one time where you do see that sort of caring instinct from Mr. Brown is sort of shown as a joke, where it's like they go into the hospital with the motorcycle and he comes out and it's like, "Oh, everybody, stay away, stay away. I'm a protected person." Oh yeah, that's true. It's but he doesn't feel that towards anyone who is not his own children. Right. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Like he would never extend that caring to. So it's like caring, and and it's like I don't even know where I fall on this, but it is definitely a trope relegated to women of like something turns on inside of you, and you'll just pick up a bear. Like you'll just do it. (laughs) No, I agree. A bear wearing a hat. Hell yeah. Like we're we're bringing it home. This Uh. is my son now. Like. No, I see what you're saying, and yes, I, I agree. And I would argue even that like Mrs. Bird uh, ends up being like a caregiver, not necessarily so much a, as a maternal figure, but she d- she spends most of the movie cleaning up after Paddington. So yeah. that's uh, you know but, she's forced into a caregiver type role. As but well. what I like about Mrs. Brown is that we know what she does for a fucking job. That never yes. happens. I was worried that. And I don't know if this is true in the books, like, uh, if, if there are any book heads. Anyone here read a fucking book before? <laughs> uh, me either. Uh, 
But I, I think it's cool that like she is given a career. We know what it is. The entire franchise. It's not added as like an afterthought. Mm-hmm. Which because we're kind of given this like nuclear family, like isn't really a given for for the mom to even have a job. Much less we know what it is or like how it affects their lives. Sure. So that was and cool. even in the in the second movie her job lends itself to a skill that actually becomes pretty important to the story because she draws descriptions of the different criminals who are showing up Mm -hmm. and which is what I think is one of the movie's great strengths is that all the female characters who we get to know who are significant to the story Mm -hmm. are just that they are significant to the story uh, because they all have skills or interests or a job that actually like contributes to the events of the story and that they can like especially for sure it's really Um, in the second one because there is like you know, it's like we, we are like always looking out for Mary Sue kind of tropes where in a lesser movie that isn't Paddington 2, <laughs> Sally Hawkins being able to dive into like the ocean or whatever body of water it is and like almost release Paddington would be like, how the fuck does she do that? But yeah. that's set up at the beginning of the movie that she's been Training. practicing. She's been swimming a lot and. The same is sort of lent to um, Judy. It has has this interest in journalism that's mm-hmm. set up at the beginning of the movie that becomes useful to helping figure out what what's happening to Paddington. Yeah. I wish that like in the second movie, like Mary and Judy should have started like a serial style podcast. Oh, like where's this fucking like, bear at? That's the did name. Did Adnan do it? Did yeah. Paddington? Do- yeah, that would be fun. Everything that we're describing probably just sounds like how storytelling should work. You know, like the female characters contributing to the events of the plot. But if you've ever heard our show before, <laughs> you know that that's actually pretty rare no yeah so, you get to do one thing and like it's out of nowhere right exactly but in this movie like all the female characters pretty much every step of the way throughout both movies are contributing to the story and have like skills and interests that pay off in some significant way for sure here's a question do you think the, the maternal instinct that comes from the women in this franchise is sort of done that way because they need the women to be the voice of reason and all the men are like the buffoon sort of in a way that it's like if the women are the voice of reason they have to find the solution and because the plot is save this child bear it feels Mm -hmm. like being the voice of reason is sort of coming off as maternal I like where you're thinking, Demi. (laughs) I still think that it's like this movie accomplished, like this whole franchise gets to be so nuanced in so many ways. And that's like one of the few ways where it didn't do it, where like the the men are so cartoonishly uninterested in helping a helpless child in both of them that it almost feels unrealistic or... See, I don't even know if that's that cartoonish because, I mean, this is where sort of like the allegory comes in. Well, yeah. For especially Paddington 1, where, like, Mr. Brown is just behaving the way a lot of people would behave to, you know, an immigrant or an outsider or someone who's been othered in a way that is unfortunately pretty realistic for how a lot of people behave. That's so. fair. I, I just, I do think that, like, the ma- the maternal instinct turning on, like, a light switch and, like, just sort of being something that is integral to the plot. Like, there's, a, I don't know... Like, there's a more nuanced way to accomplish that. Because it happens in so many movies of mm-hmm. just, like, the man doesn't have the, t- the time for it, and then the female character is like, no, we have to. And it's like, that is a good thing. That is a thing that all people should be capable of doing. 
but it it does just sort of seem tropey to sure. to relegate it to her in a completely unnuanced way. But you're right, like the the fact that it is an allegory kind of does shift that dynamic a little bit. I I sometimes feel like when people do that in movies where it's just like, oh, the women have to be the voice of reason the entire time. It's because they're afraid that when people watch movies and see a woman being like funny or even just like flawed in any way, they'll be like, well, we can't do that. People will hate us for it. We're showing a woman that's not perfect. And it's like, that's not, it's not the problem. Yeah. That's why there's so many Mary Sue characters too. It's just like most times there's Mary Sue characters. I feel like it's written by like guys who are feeling insecure (laughs) about like, oh, I don't want girls to hate me. Let me just like write a boring ass character that gets everything right. Right. And that's not necessarily these characters, but you know, this movie is written by men. Yes, it is. (laughs) So me with with no mothering instinct to speak of. Because, like, if there is, like, an overly maternal character or, like, a female character is characterized in such a way that, like, she just, she's, like, the mommy who has to be the mommy to everyone. Like, Mm -hmm. that definitely is something that I tend to notice. And, you know, depending on how severe it is will, you know, annoy me that amount. For these, I see, like, Mrs. Brown, I guess, just as being more compassionate than maternal. But, again, I just can't criticize this movie so <laughs> i don't know but I'm sorry. i mean it tips a little bit that way for me but it's like not to the point where i i mean the good thing is even though i feel like that's present there's still so much more to that character mm-hmm. that we know about especially like between movies one and two i feel like there's an even more of an improvement yeah. on how much like care is given to the female characters in terms of they're always active participants but in like how much we know about them. Where in the first movie, Judy's storyline is mostly like, she has a crush on a boy. Mm-hmm. And at the end, she introduces the boy to her mom. Right. Uh, and then in the second one, I feel like, and I hope that you know all franchises can kind of move in this direction in a lot of ways of like, oh, maybe that was a little bit lazy and mm-hmm. like okay let's give her an interest let's give her she basically starts Jezebel at the beginning of this movie is <laughs> <laughs> like this she's like she starts an all female newspaper yeah, no she's boys like, allowed <laughs> and yes is it implied that it's because she like felt sad about a relationship ending sure but that's mm-hmm. also why I started doing comedy so whatever uh, <laughs> that's I, what she does in the third one right <laughs> she, I start, she starts stand doing stand up yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like started to write a note being critical of that, and I'm like, Jamie, you fucking did that. <laughs> uh, but it, it is cool. Like between movies one and two, it seems like you know the writers were you know taking notes as, yeah. as time was going on. Even in the first one, though, it's set up early on that she has an interest in like language, and it's yeah, like she's, she's learning, learning Chinese. Chinese, and she wants to open a small business. She's going to be a business owner, mm-hmm. uh, and then that pays off because she starts learn. Paddington starts teaching her bear. And then she's able to communicate with him in Bear and ends up helping to save his life because she's like, oh, we need to go to the roof. He's going for the roof. So um, at least, like, she's equipped with that skill and that interest that, again, like, you know, contributes to the events of the story. Um, In both movies, we get, like, an overview of the Brown family where it's basically, like, Paddington relaying to his Aunt Lucy, like, just who the Browns are and what they do. And I was kind of reminded of... What happens in the Royal Tenenbaums? The West Plan, yeah, it was like the West Plamaflam movie, yeah. West Plamaflam? The what? 
The West, yeah, the West Anderson Flamble Flam movie. <laughs> Sounds like a prescription. That movie that is every every frame is yellow. That oh, one. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so in the Royal Tenenbaums, which uh, we talked about on the show, there's like this like voiceover narration, and it's like, look at all the boys. Here's all the things they've accomplished. Here's all the things they like to do, and here's how awesome they all it's are. Even like visually similar too. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And then for the female characters in the Royal Tenenbaums, it's like, here's all the boys that she fucked at the end. So, like, that's all we know about that. And that, again, does happen to, like, a small degree with, like, Judy, because it's like, she has a crush on Tony. Uh, Right, you, like, wish that the information was reversed, but at least you're right. Like, the thing with, like, okay, there's at least more to her than, like, likes a boy yeah likes a boy and learning a language is better than i was doing at 12. (laughs) (laughs) should we just talk about sort of the allegorical elements of these fine movies i mean where to begin yeah (laughs) where to begin yeah sure let's do it so the first one paddington one is essentially an allegory for uh an immigrant's experience i think it's a good allegory except that I think the the problem might be that this could have given visibility to an actual brown or black person who is an immigrant and like seeing their story and what? instead it's a bear and then everyone else is white. So yeah. wait, are you saying that instead of Paddington being a bear, he should have been a I'm not a, a black <laughs> <laughs> saying that necessarily <laughs> because if there's if your if your take here is I can't criticize anything about this movie however, however Paddington should have been a, 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 a black an, child an indigenous Peruvian boy yes um I don't know if I'm communicating my point very well <laughs> I see I see what you're saying yeah, I mean where there could have been visibility to an immigrant who is from Peru who would probably be a brown person Instead, it's a bear who speaks the Queen's English. Right. So. right. I mean, I think that that, I mean, for this franchise, I don't know how possible it is to make that edit. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> without it becoming a very different movie. Yeah. But there is, I mean, and then there is such like a history with, I mean, we can go straight up Sally Hawkins movie specifically with other characters being, you know, like subbed out by like animals or by creatures. And there's like such a history of that happening, which Mm -hmm. I feel like this is one of the gentler examples of that because, you know, you can extend that allegory to like early monster movies and like a, a lot of shit like that where... I don't know. Yeah, there's been there's been a lot of like interesting. I've, I've got I got some quotes. Oh really sure. Oh uh, please. There's been a lot of like interesting stuff written uh, about how Paddington is like an othered creature that is representing a different group of people. Mm-hmm. I got some hot facts. Jamie's hot facts. Hot facts. Uh, hot facts with Jamie. Uh, so Paddington uh, has been a political symbol for over sixty years now. <gasps> wow. Uh, so since or almost sixty years. Sorry, my facts are bad. Uh, <laughs> But uh, the the author of the original books has always used uh, Paddington as a uh, as a political symbol. As recently as two thousand and nine, Paddington was like the voice of uh, like his character was used in a campaign to end the arrest and detention of hundreds of child asylum seekers in prison like conditions in the UK. Like he's a huge like UK like immigration mm. advocate so oh. he's been I mean, oh. an icon for, for yeah. a very long time and like was I was very curious about 
in the adaptation, like how much of the intent was in the book versus how much was translated. But he was written that way to be, because the author of, of the books had been a Holocaust survivor and like there, there were a lot of uh, displaced children nar- narratives mm-hmm. that went into like the writing of this book. So I thought that was interesting. One of the things that also, like the only criticism from the original creators of Paddington, the only criticisms of the movie were the relationship between Paddington and Mr. Gruber. Because apparently, also originally, uh, the fact that Paddington is from Peru was a suggestion of an editor. He was originally from Darkest Africa, and then they were like, how about Darkest Peru? And it's like, "Mm, still fucking weird. (laughs) Uh, Still fucking racist, but sure. So originally, the Mr. Gruber-Paddington relationship was written to be two immigrants to London who were bonding. And so the fact that a white actor was cast as Mr. Gruber kind of irked the original creators because they had they would always have tea at Elevenses. And I guess that that was something that Paddington had done in Peru that mm. was brought to London, and they were that was supposed to be their connection, and that was, like, lost in translation in the movie. I see. I literally just watched this movie yesterday, but I can you help me remember who Mr. Gruber is? Ooh, uh, <laughs> Jim Broadbent. He's the guy who has, oh, has right. the antique yes. store. Okay, Mr. yes, right. Yeah, no, that does feel like a role that they want you to believe is like someone who's not from, like with the accent and everything, You, I think they wanted to like get the credit of it being like a foreigner, but not actually give the role to a person who wasn't from the UK. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was like the one thing that, and I should, sorry, the uh, the editor of Paddington was a Holocaust survivor. The writer was not, but they were the it. two people who shaped the character. I see. And so that was their one note, which is like better than, you know, most adaptations. But sure. Oh, yeah. That's Jamie's facts. I love it. Yeah. I mean, it's no cat facts with Caitlin. But it's, <laughs> it was pretty good. Where, are there cats in these movies? There's no cats. Damn. Is, um, Harsh. Mm. There's a dog in the second one. but Harsh. Actually, yeah. there's a dog in both of them. There's a dog. Yeah. But the no dog cats. scene in the first one almost made me cry yesterday. I don't know why. When he, like, picks it up and takes it on the escalator? Yeah, the just, escalator just before that, the part where he, like, steps his foot on the escalator and, like, pulls his leg back, I almost, I just started being like, ah, he's so afraid right now. Yeah. I don't know why. And then, like, also the scene at the end where he's climbing up with the vacuums and then, like, one of the vacuums stops and he just starts falling towards the fire. I was like, oh, my, what, what the fuck are they doing? <laughs> it, I don't know what place I'm in, but... <laughs> I have multiple points in both of these movies. For some, like I kept because we had like a Paddington Bear toy at my house when mm, I was little, mm-hmm. and I kept thinking that he was a toy and not an actual bear, <laughs> which at certain points would make a big difference. Yeah, <laughs> but I yeah I kept forgetting that he was uh, in He's fact an actual bear who yes. came from Peru. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I want to talk a little bit. About more about each of the main female characters who yeah. we get to know, starting with Mrs. Brown, um, because she is kind of largely responsible for getting the story going. Like she's the Both one who, times. yeah, she's yeah. the one who approaches Paddington at the station. She's the one who keeps challenging her <laughs> racist husband to like say, "Let's just help him. Like it's just for the night." Dump that kind of him. thing. Yeah, why are they married? Dump they have him. nothing in common. The Doesn't make any <laughs> sense. <laughs> yeah, for Judy and Jonathan. <laughs> And then in movie two, in Paddington two, it's Mary who like is especially hell bent on trying to figure out who the actual thief is. 
Uh, she's doing all the drawings. She goes full she, Sarah Koenig. She's like got a fucking she, pin board. She's like, this means this, yeah. and this means this. You're just like, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> she like breaks and enters into Phoenix's yeah, house. She, she really goes like full investigative reporter. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I guess I like that how active she is and how much of a driving force she is to like keep the narrative going in both movies. In both times, like in spite of her husband, she is continuing to advocate for this bear who becomes her bear son. Um, <laughs> in the first one, she's like, I'm, no, I love this bear. Also, he should be our son. And then the second one, she's like, he's our son now. Please stop being rude to prisoners. And like, <laughs> she is. The target just, moves each time. <laughs> it yeah. really does. Where like, Mr. Run, you can see he does inch forward mm-hmm. as the plot goes on in each movie, which is encouraging. One thing I do not love about that character is that he always gets a cathartic speech and moment yeah. for making a very basic human decision where he's like, actually, racism is bad. And every time like a white guy says that, they get like a standing O. And this movie kind of gives that to him. Yeah. Uh, and this book. <laughs> He wins an Oscar. Mm. Uh, and kind of the same thing in the second one. He has like a little cathartic speech. And every time that happens, you're just like, yeah, well, your wife has been saying that for 500 yeah. fucking years. Well, Jamie, men need to redeem themselves all the time. <sighs> yeah. um, there is a moment um, in Paddington 2 where Mr. and Mrs. Brown are sneaking through Phoenix Buchanan's house. Yeah. And then they go up to the attic and they see like all of the costumes and then Mr. Brown is like, we were right. And then Mrs. Brown is like, we? Right. Because it was only her. And he's yeah. trying to take credit for her work. Yeah, that felt like a little, yeah, a little bone thrown. Sure. Um, I, I guess, know. I don't know. I just like that Mrs. Brown um, challenges her shitty husband mm. all the right. time. It's true. But then there's an, a moment in like Paddington 1 where toward the end they're in the Natural History Museum and he's like, someone has to go out this window to save Paddington, and that someone is going to be me. And he does this like display of like kind of traditional like macho heroism. Yeah. And then Mrs. Brown <laughs> is like, Oh, Henry, you're such a man. And like she gets like all weak at the knees, which I felt was unnecessary. But then that doesn't really happen in Paddington 2. That isn't in the second one, no. Instead, Mr. Nice. Brown is like, I'm having a midlife crisis, mm-hmm. and I'm getting old, and I wasn't promoted at work. So it's actually about his fragile male ego. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, there's also a little, to, to his credit, <laughs> like that he there's like a little tiny, like he's passed over because he's older, and he that is the first time he's been marginalized in his life. Yeah. <laughs> And it blows his fucking mind. He becomes such an ass. He's like, wait a second. I can't have what I fucking want. <laughs> and then it beca- and then he like is signing up for yoga classes, which I thought was funny. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, Judy, we talked about her sort of like linguistics skills in the first movie and then like her interest in journalism in the second one. I like how that character grows. Yeah. yeah. Like she and and I feel like she and she might even be like a little more integral to the plot than Jonathan is, but they're about equal and 
Jonathan in the first one, like I, in the first one, I was like, well, why do we know about Judy's romantic interest and not Jonathan? But he's younger, and then yeah. But then as he ages up, we don't really find out that much about like we don't get his equivalent of Tony. We get J Dog, <laughs> right? Right. J Dog might be his equivalent of Tony. That's true. Yeah. That's his. That's his. He's like, listen, I've hit puberty. <laughs> he's he's like trying to impress. This kid, but what oh, that they what bu- they like bump fists at the fair. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And spud bounce. Yeah, they say yes. spud bounce. But what <laughs> if <laughs> what is that? What if it's not wild. he's trying to play cool to this guy that he wants to be cool with, but it's like he wants to find common ground with this boy that he has a crush on. <gasps> I hope so. Mm. Ooh, I. <laughs> I mean, where is that fanfic? Well, uh, Pad- <laughs> nice. Paddington Three. Nice. Um, Paddington is voiced by queer icon Ben Wishaw. True. Of Cloud uh, Atlas fame. Of Cloud Atlas. Oh, God. You might no, remember him from pass. a little... <laughs> oh, we got an applause for Ben Cloud Wishaw. Is yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Big Cloud Atlas room. <laughs> ben Wishaw is in a movie, I think it's called Perfume or something, Portrait of a Killer, in oh. which the final scene is an enormous orgy. Uh, and then up until that point, he has been murdering women and uh, stealing Hot. their scent <laughs> to make perfume out of. Iconic. Queer icon Ben Wishaw. It makes sense that they saw that and were like, yeah, he's the bear. It's <laughs> <laughs> a straight pipeline between those two friends. <laughs> Happy Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women, creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection, obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through six X. Visit TomboyX.com. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but, like, I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty. Beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. I wanted to talk a little bit about the men dressing in drag, which happens in both movies. Both movies, yes. Hilarious bit. It is a flawless, nothing to say. Like (laughs) such a staple in UK comedy too, and has been for like a bajillion years. Like I was unfortunate, like I wasn't surprised at all that that happened because you're like, if there's more than fifty percent British people in the cast, this will happen, and you will feel weird about it. Mm. It feels like there's always a moment where someone goes over to the director and just like, I was thinking, 
what if I wear a dress for this one? Right. <laughs> and they were just like, yeah, okay, okay. yes, sure. sure. Yeah. They're like, well, we that happens in 90% of movies made in this country. Yeah, so yeah, but we can, yes, we can do it different. It'll be great. They're like, no, we're going to do it very tastefully. <laughs> <laughs> well, they sort of didn't in this movie, nope. unfortunately. So um, in the first movie, Mr. Brown dresses as a like cleaning lady to get into the geographer's guild. Uh, and then when he and Paddington are telling this story, doing the recap, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, to the rest of the family, Mrs. Brown is all like, oh, that sounds so brave, Henry. You're such a man. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Brown is like, you know, there's a time for being boring and annoying, and there's a time for being a man. And Paddington says, Mr. Brown dressed up as a lady, and someone stuck pins in him. And then the family's like, what? In a dress? What? 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 And then Mr. Brown's like, no. And then Paddington is like, it did look like a dress. And then Mr. Brown is like, more of a house coat. It was quite liberating, actually. Right. So it ends on, you're like, well, he, it, it didn't, it's yeah. Weird. I love, I will say, I love how even in this like bad taste joke, they find a way to paint Paddington as like naive in a way where he's clearly not in on the offensive part of the joke. Right. So you're like, he contributes to this, but we still love him for right. it. Right. He's just like stating he's just the stating facts. facts. Yeah. yeah. He's recapping. <laughs> it's a brilliant. It's it's what every all right guy thinks they're saying was like, I'm, I'm just saying facts. I'm yeah. just saying facts. <laughs> Sometimes that's bad. What if? Yeah, what if? <laughs> he's like, actually, I didn't actually say anything that was offensive. I just said what fucking happened. Okay. <laughs> proof, 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 proof. What if Paddington Where is secretly alt right? Oh, no. He's not. Don't worry. What? Okay, no, seriously, <laughs> though, like, what did Paddington vote for on Brexit? Obviously, he's against Brexit. I know, but I think Mr. Brown is like, oh, I could be swayed either way. Like, oh, Mrs. Know? Brown, I'm against voting at all. <laughs> no, Paddington is very no. political. I <laughs> think that only natural-born citizens should be allowed to vote. <laughs> what if Paddington got radicalized on YouTube? Oh, my God. <laughs> no, don't say Paddington that. Paddington 3, um, Paddington logs in. Anyway. <laughs> I'm a nice guy, and the women don't seem to be interested in me. No, don't make Paddington an incel. <laughs> no. I heard of this Paddington thing called... is asexual. Uh, actually, there's this thing called Chads and Beckys. <laughs> it's the skull shapes. Don't. You're killing me. I'm dying. Okay. Would it, would it um, help if I, if I told you that I can absolutely hear Paddington saying, like, all cops are bastards? <laughs> Uh, okay, anyway, so this scene that we just described, it's like it's another example of like a man presenting as feminine in some way and then like that being, being humiliating yeah. it for him. It's not the worst example we've seen. I'm thinking of like what women want where like Mel Gibson comes out and all the stuff and then his daughter is like dead. I mean, and there's then... literally some that are, you know, followed by dry heaving from the fragile male character. Right, right, right. Like, it gets really bad. This isn't as bad. No. But it's still important. This is an aside, but did you know What Women Want costs $70 million to make? Yes, but there was no scene in that movie that looks expensive. No. Yeah. Well, the cruise that they cut away to for no reason, the prom that they cut away to for no reason. James Cameron has a cameo in that movie and it's unaddressed. Really? There's a scene where... Sorry, I'm on a totally different thing now. There's a scene (laughs) where Mel Gibson is walking by to talk to Helen Hunt and they stop in the hallway and there's like a person there who's waiting to talk to someone and it's James Cameron. Whoa. They don't talk to him. You don't know he's there unless you are looking for him but it's James Cameron. Honestly, I'm always looking for him and I'm so embarrassed. I know. He's usually under the sea I so wish. I don't blame you for not seeing he's him. He's an eyesore. Mm. Like I, 
I should have noticed him. Yeah, that's on, that's Speaking on me. Speaking of directors and taking it back to Paddington, doesn't the guy who is like into Mr. Brown in a dress really look like Christopher Nolan? Oh, he does. Ooh, and he, yes. he co-wrote the yeah. second movie. That's, his oh, name right. is like Simon Farnaby or something like of that. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> so in that scene where Mr. Brown is uh, in drag, there is a man who pretty aggressively hits on Mr. Brown dressed as a woman. I'm interested in like what our queer listeners think about this because the same character comes back in Paddington 2 and he is very attracted to Hugh Grant dressed as a nun. I have chosen to think <laughs> that it's either that this character is either just like very attracted to kind of mask women mm-hmm. or that he's queer and he doesn't really know it yet. We've got to get a music sting to play under I have chosen to think. <laughs> of like <laughs> But both times like it's played as a joke in the yeah. movie. I to me, the joke isn't so much that it's like, ooh, look how weird and wrong it is that this guy is attracted to like a man in drag. It's more that he just simply is attracted to a man but in I drag. But I feel like it's written, I mean, it's like written for laughs. It's written it for is, laughy yes. scenes. And I am coming from a place of being, you know, cishet. So. Right. We're interested in what our listeners yeah. think for sure. I, <laughs> I keep feeling like I, I I'm just kind of like, Hmm, well, in defense of the more offensive position. <laughs> but what I will say about this is it feels like, at least in the second one, they played the joke more as the fact that he... Th- well, I guess it's still, like, that's not great. But they play the joke more as, like, it's not, oh, he's a woman as much as it is that, like, this man is, like, you are a gorgeous woman. Like, even the moment where he, like, runs away and is just like, uh, stop that incredibly gorgeous woman. Mm-hmm. It feels mm-hmm. like that becomes the joke of, like, incredibly gorgeous is the part that you're supposed to laugh at. Yeah. So then I'm like... Is it worse that they're like, oh, this uh, the person that he thinks is a woman and that we are supposed to believe is not beautiful is beautiful as the joke? In which case, I'm like, well, that's also not great. Right. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I'm not. I don't know. I'm not qualified to make the call. I don't know. Yeah. So if we've got any people, God damn it, Paddington, <laughs> we got too complex on that. No. God damn it. <laughs> Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about Aunt Lucy. Yeah. Um, because she mostly exists off screen. Paddington talks about her, you know, very lovingly all the time. She seems to have taught him everything that he knows about being like a polite, considerate little bear. In Paddington 2, we learn that it's uh, Lucy who like spots baby Paddington and then like jumps and rescues him. That maybe could be argued, oh, it's another like very maternal instinct from she a female character. She cancels her international move. Yeah, she's like, yeah. we're not going to London anymore. We have to raise a baby. But yeah. I, again, in defense <laughs> of you, that move is sort of back-ended by that moment where she is like risking her life to go like to scale down into the rapids to save a person. I yeah. feel like it doesn't yeah. become, oh, I must take care of this child until she realizes it's a child. It's just like a purely... A move of generosity or like out of empathy for yeah. a fellow bear. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It's That's compassion. Fair. Yeah. And, and not maternal instinct. That's right. what bear. I choose to think. It, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other thing I wanted to say about her was that I think it's t- it tends to be more common for us to see if there's like 
a male character who has a relationship with a family member in a movie, it's often with another male character. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's like father and son or uh, uncle and nephew, something like that. So I like that you see such a positive relationship between a male and then a female relative. I I feel like we don't see that quite enough. I think that's true. There are a few, yeah. I mean, I still, I still am sort of like on the maternal trope wave here, but I do think, I mean, it's interesting because in the first movie, especially, like there is a lot of attention paid to Paddington and Mr. Brown trying to find their common ground, mm-hmm. whereas for Mrs. Brown, the common ground is never questioned. So there's really not as much of a journey for that relationship to take because they're always on the same page. That's not really as present in the bear thing. I feel like Aunt Lucy and Uncle. Porridge. (laughs) See, they seem like more grounded in the allegory than the Browns are a lot of the time because Mm -hmm. they're just like in it less and they're connected to his life in Peru and a lot of it, like, I don't know, the Aunt Lucy scenes make me cry so much. I know. Because she's like, she is a prominent maternal figure in his life, but she also like represents his whole past life in Peru and like she seems to like represent a lot of things to him and like represent homesickness and also he can't write his uncle his uncle died mm-hmm. and so yeah the Aunt Lucy thing that that doesn't really I mean she she just symbolizes his whole childhood to him yeah. and like everything that is familiar and good so uh, yeah I don't know I got no I got I don't know how any problem with Aunt Lucy she's so nice yeah I, yeah what do you think Paddington 3 would, like, allegory-wise, where do you see it extending to? Ooh, okay, so we didn't really talk about, I mean, like, prison reform for Paddington 2. We didn't go into huge detail about that. there's simply not time. No, but (laughs) Paddington 3, oh, gosh. I mean, marriage equality? (laughs) What are the issues we can tackle? I want Paddington to stop Brexit. Like, do we have time? Uh, Or is it, like, the wage gap? I mean, there's so many things. Is it an abortion thing? (laughs) (laughs) Like... Paddington gets someone pregnant. (laughs) And then it's like, it's your right to choose. And Mr. Curry's like, nope, it shouldn't be her right to choose. He's like, it is her right to choose. And at the end he's like, all right, she can choose. (laughs) I don't know what An hour and a half later, Mr. Brown is like, she should have the right to choose. And we all clap. (laughs) Um. (laughs) It's it's set up, you know how they keep, they set up like what they're good at and how it comes back in at the end. Mm In the beginning, for some reason, they set up that Mr. Brown is a terrific abortion doctor. <laughs> he's like, I don't know, I don't know if I. He's like, weird, huh? Weird setup. And then by the end of the movie, you're like, oh. <laughs> In like the house opening section, Mr. Brown is taken to giving abortions to him. <laughs> <laughs> Out of his house. <laughs> Out- because it's no longer legal, our house has become a bit of an abortion clinic. <laughs> Oh what God. a way to also slip in. It's like, by the way, in this world, it's illegal now. Yeah. Oh, I mean, we got to raise the stakes in Paddington <laughs> and also the world. Uh, and uh, I mean, we didn't fully go into it. Just really quick with the Millicent uh, Nicole Kidman character. Oh, yes. I think that this is like a, a villainous trope that we've come up against a bunch at this point. But it's like in the same lane as like Ursula the Sea Witch of a science adjacent woman who is uh, a little older, uh, it does not seem to be in a romantic relationship, Mm -hmm. has extreme daddy issues, and all this adds up to being a fucking murderer. Yeah. (laughs) 
Like that whole, it sucks because I mean that performance is so good, and the way the character plays out, like I like watching that character. Mm -hmm. But there's so I like that we get the context for her of like this is why I feel that way. At but least she's motivated, but yeah, but it's motivated by is, daddy issues. Yeah. So it kind of ends up just kind of being a wash for me. The wig really. <laughs> Should have gotten an Oscar now. That said, though, her performance is... Mwah, yeah. Love it. If and a woman had helped write this movie, that would have been a better character. Right, because we... I mean, we've talked about this a little bit before, but we... Especially in children's movies, it seems, or, like, family-targeted movies, because we see this in Incredibles 2. We see it in, like you said, like... Little Mermaid and any other like kind of we see it in any witchy with a lab older kind witch of movie like female Snow villains White, who are like, like STEM adjacent and that yeah. being villainized often. Well, that's boo. Uh, I wanted to briefly talk about Mrs. Bird. Also, she's mostly seen vacuuming in <laughs> the movie, but she often will like swoop in at the end and like do something significant. I do like that she kind of uses people's biases against old people ag against them cuz like she yeah. shows up in the at the end of the first movie and like goes to the security guard and is like, "Oh, will you help a frail old woman out of the cold?" and like she's like, "I'm not frail, but he doesn't know that." And then she like right. gets plastered and <laughs> it's great. Very brave of her. There's one moment where she pulls a gun and then it's a side gag because it's just foam darts. She pulled, so she, it's like a nerf She gun. was going to shoot Hugh Grant in the head. In the head. She didn't know it was a fake gun. And she Very went, true. She was she ready to missed. murder him. Proud to. PG, yeah. baby. <laughs> and because uh, it was like a setup, because she was like, Hugh Grant's going to walk in and then I will shoot him, she had a lot of time to think about it. <laughs> Right. It's like, I'm about to see a dead fucking man. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I'm still doing this. Yes. It's almost like she's done it before. Yeah. <laughs> she's pre yeah, it was very premeditated. I bet she walked in and was like, Ch -ch -ch hello, old friend. <laughs> <laughs> I think in the third Paddington movie, they should learn how to say Paddington's bear name. Oh. There's such like, a weird vibe. Or whatever. Well, it's like, if we're going with the allegory of he's he's immigrated to this country, they're immediately like, yeah, don't know how to say that. Your name is where we fucking are right now. <laughs> I think the third movie, they should learn how to say his goddamn name. Mr. Brown tries, but he says something very rude, apparently. <laughs> so. I want... Uh, like the third movie to open with Mr. Brown just like very casually like looking over uh, like a Rosetta Stone of how to do bear. <laughs> and then by the end, it's like, okay, he says it in a way that like Paddington has helped. Right, yeah. yeah, I don't know. That's like if you were born and then they're like, what's up, Brockton, Samaritan, Loftus? <laughs> you know? I see your point, I see yeah. your point. I choose to think. No. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I choose to think we shouldn't learn how to say anything. Does anyone have any other final thoughts about either Paddington movie? Since I asked it, I now am like, what would I want to happen in Paddington 3? And this is just an earnest pitch for Paddington 3. <laughs> I think it would be great if something happens with Mr. Curry, like a minor offense that gets him brought into court, and they find out that he's from a different country and he's going to get deported. Ooh. Paddington is the one who's like, but Mr. Curry is a part of our neighborhood. We have to save him. And everyone's like, he sucks. He's a fucking asshole. He's racist <laughs> as shit. Why would you do this? And he's like, well, because that's what we do and we're part of a community. We look after even the worst parts. Because so then how are, we, how are we any better than them? And basically he goes around and gets like a petition signed for Mr. Curry to be saved. 
And the entire time, Mr. Curry is still hanging on him. At the end, he's just kind of like, this is my friend. People like it. That's so nice. Yeah, I love that. Did anyone notice what appears to be the black lesbian couple who live nearby? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, they don't hardly say anything or do anything, but I was like, that's sweet. It, was so, it would have been so easy for them to pass the Bechdel test. Yeah. Just yeah. They've been allowed to speak. Just yeah. ha- have them go like, hey, Deb, hello, Jennifer. We're lesbians, right? Yes. <laughs> A true passing yeah. of the and Bechdel then just, test. And then just move on. Trailblazing. <laughs> Trailblazing. <laughs> well, speaking of the Bechdel test, yes. starting with Paddington 1, does that pass? That one does, yeah. Yes. That one passes, I think, better than the second one does. Yes. Uh, in Paddington 1, Mrs. Brown and Judy talk about a Victorian bathing pond. Mm-hmm. They talk about the sewers. <laughs> the sewer exchange is so fun, because I'm like, oh, this scene is passing, but they're just talking about the sewers in more detail every time. Right. <laughs> She's like, you know, the sewers. And she's like, what? The sewers under the ground. What? The sewers under the ground. We could walk in them. Oh. <laughs> just girl talk. Yeah. Yeah, you know. <laughs> And then their their third interaction that passes is about like toiletries. So it's it's a lot of like bathroom based discussions, which is but like, new. Yeah. I think women should talk more about bathroom stuff. We talk about it a lot. You and I often exchange Your sludge. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> My s- I um, refuse to give more context. <laughs> <laughs> and I also do too. Okay. Um and then Mrs. Brown and Mrs. Bird talk about the weather at some point. Yes. Uh, in Paddington 2, however. Paddington 2 is trickier, I think, from a number of perspectives. Ma- mainly because Paddington is not with women for most of this movie. He is in an all-male prison mm-hmm. uh, and is solving the prison uh, industrial complex. Women. Prisoners. <laughs> <laughs> It's more like ladies in jail. <laughs> if more women were incarcerated in uh, the UK, this really wouldn't have been an issue. But right, right, right. But he like that. That is like I think one of the major <laughs> things that prevents Paddington Two from passing more. Yes, yeah. I agree. Um, there's I think only one conversation that I found that passed, which was Mrs. Brown and. Um, Madame Koslova talking about the pop-up book and then uh, about her great-grandmother. Does she have a name? Uh, we only know the last name, Koslova. Okay. So, well, that's um, a name. Okay. Yeah. Um, but still, the context of that conversation is still like, oh, there's a, a, a bear who's been wrongfully incarcerated. That's Paddington. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't think the second one, but I was saying the pa- second one didn't pass. Right, because the only, the other conversation of note was Mrs. Brown and Mrs. Bird talking about actors being the most evil and vile people on the planet. Which, true. <laughs> but that but conversation, yeah, that conversation is about, yeah, Phoenix Buchanan. Well, but it's also about, it's a meta joke about the profession of acting, and in that sense, mm-hmm. is it? It's actually brilliant, and it could pass the mental test. <laughs> They're talking about Hugh Grant, yeah. though. Yeah. They're, uh, I I'm, I'm, I'm ruining Paddington. I'm sorry. Oh, no. The first one passes yeah. a lot. Yes. The that second one, Paddington's not around women for most of the movie. Right. In a good way. Well, women He's are around each other, though, and they, they yes. don't. They're so focused on helping Paddington that that's the only thing they well, talk about. Well, it's like about. they're doing, it's weird, because it's like the, the, the women in the movie are mostly doing investigative journalism the whole movie. Yeah. But the, the subject of their story is a male bear, so, like, what can you do? Here's my question. Uh, when I describe a movie as a motherly figure mostly doing investigative work, 
to release an improperly incarcerated family member. Mm-hmm. Am I talking about Paddington 2 or if Beale Street could talk? Ooh, the question of the century. <gasps> or Green Book. There, uh, no. Or <laughs> Green The first one's Green Book. The second one is if Beale Street could yes, talk. Yes, wow. yes, yes. Okay. It's better for it. Yeah. That's just proof that it improved over time. Yeah. Yeah. All yeah. right. I love when franchises slowly learn. <laughs> Piece by piece. The third yes. one will have like a, a light drag scene. Right. <laughs> Let's rate the movie on our nipple scale. Okay. Zero to five nipples based on its representation oh, of this, women. This is tricky. This is tricky because it is the best franchise ever made. That's exactly what I was People, thinking. People, I can't tell you how often peop- I say that and people still think I'm joking. It happens no, I mean, all it's the a time. Great franchise. I know, but it I'm, it's got like. Better hit rates than The Godfather. Like, I don't know what... <laughs> 66% of The Godfather movies are good. 100% of the Paddington movies are good. That's true. So, You're why are wrong. people shitting yeah. on it? It's true. It's true. Um, yeah, so I, lo- I, I love these movies. I'll give it a three. I mean, they are like allegories for important topics, and I suppose a way that is more digestible to most audiences, just because it's like, there's a cute bear. But um, the female characters... Like we said, they're they're playing an active role in the story from start to finish. They are equipped with like skills and interests that are important to the story. But you know, there's those kind of weird moments where the men in drag and how that's kind of mishandled. Uh, there is the villainization of a woman in STEM. <gasps> so um, three nipples, and I whoa! How many nipples does a bear have? <gasps> Three. I'm going to give all three. <laughs> <Wait>. <laughs> all is three of my nipples will go to Paddington. I'm also going to go uh, three nipples. I mean, it's so much of the movie is literally Paddington yeah. that every female character is by nature going to be a supporting role. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are there were those little things you were talking about that kind of bugged me. There was like making sure that the teen girl had a romantic narrative thing. Then it was like, oh, whatever. Like mm-hmm. that didn't impact the story literally at all. Right. But in general, I mean, it's like, it's a lovely franchise. And I feel like the messages that it has is are so, there's not a, a social justice franchise for children that is active besides this one. Yeah. And, it, you know, it's like, it's an, inc- I mean, the movies are great. Uh, I'll give three nippies. I'm going to give uh, one to Sally Hawkins. One to Paddington and one to the fish from The Shape of Water. All right. Yeah, you can good. distribute nips? Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. I didn't realize that. Okay. Yes. All right. I'm going to give it the total recall. Three nips. All right. I think that, <laughs> I, I think that like, again, like you said, centering this movie around a male character does sort of mean that a lot of it's going to skew male. But I also think that there are like smaller parts of the dynamics that I'm kind of impressed by, like how the family unit, it feels like a lot of movies or just a lot of things won't put like a group together where the balance is upset by the number of women being more than the number of men because it totally. feels like it's just like oh that's that's a feminine group then and for it to be like that with the family before they like adopt Paddington into the circle does feel like a thing that it's like oh that means they're going to focus more on women characters when this family becomes a part of the movie and i think that's very cool but i also think that it's like when they started this it felt like they definitely were like, yeah, we're going to make this a franchise. So for them to be like, well, the first run out, we are still going to make the villain a woman, does feel like the kind of like 
quote unquote risk that Hollywood people would be like, oh uh, yeah, yeah, we'll get the diversity in there if we, if we get another one, but this mm -hmm. first one's gotta be a man. And like for them to be like, no, 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 we're just gonna, we're gonna have like Nicole Kidman play a like wacky woman feels mm -hmm. like something I w would be surprised to see in any other franchises. Sure, because uh, often, I mean, we've talked about this too, that if there's a movie with a female villain, it's usually in a movie that also has a female protagonist. It's right. rare to to see a movie where like, could a woman pose a threat to a male so, character? Could a woman th pose a threat to a tiny bear? <laughs> <laughs> Brave it, questions being asked. I agree. It does feel like, yeah, seeing that dynamic and not in like a sort of like femme fatale sort of way where it's like, she's gonna fuck the protagonist and that's bad. That's why she's the villain. It's like, I think. <laughs> she's gonna fuck that. <laughs> there was a draft. Uh, <laughs> um, no, but yeah, I, I don't know. I think it, it still has a ways to go and they do give a lot of the focus to the male characters of the franchise, but they also. I, I want. It's like, are we rating this against. The average movie, or are we rating it against like the idea of a perfect film? Oh man, uh, I think like uh, five is like our perfect. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. Then I think a three. It's like it does a little bit better than the average film does, but I also sure. think it has some glaring things where you're like, still mm -hmm. the drag stuff. You're like two times. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Demi, <sighs> thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Give it up me. for Demi. Give it up for Demi. Thank you. Yes, 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 uh, yes, yes. Where can people follow you online? Um, would you, would can, you like to plug? Oh, I would love to plug this <gasps> jar of jar orange of marmalade. marmalade. She's been yes. sitting in my pocket for the entire show. <laughs> I have one warm. too. <laughs> uh, it is getting a little warm, but it's you know marmalade's good in any in any sense. This is Smuckers. Gorgeous. I gotta shout out the brand. Um, <laughs> You can follow me at Electra Lemon pretty much anywhere. Uh, listen to Punch Up the Jam, my yes. podcast. So good. Yeah, you've both been on it. You've both been wonderful guests. Thank mm -hmm. you for doing that. And, you know, go for a walk sometime. Enjoy. Treat yourself nice. Yeah, <laughs> self care. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for coming Thank to the you. show. That's Happy the birthday, Caitlin. Thank you. Oh. Happy uh, birthday. That was our show. Yes. That was the Paddington show. Thank you again to our wonderful guest, Demi Adijuibe. Oh, so great. Uh, please listen to his podcast, Punch Up the Jam, and truly just anything that he does. He's yes. wonderful. So good. Um, thank you so much to Sammy Junio for yes. recording the show. Friend of the pod. For us, friend of the podcast. Thanks to everyone who came out to see the show, yes. and, a, and a special thanks to anyone who brought a donation for Project Caged Birds. Yes, we absolutely, oh, you guys are the best. And yes. uh, thank you to the Ruby, as always, the for, Ruby for having us. hosting us. Yes. Uh, and now for the regular business, you can find us online on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. If you're still on Facebook, why are you still on Facebook? What's going on? <laughs> uh, you can find us at uh, Bechtelcast on all of those platforms. Yes, you can subscribe to our Patreon, aka Matreon, our Paddington Treon. That one didn't no, really no. work. Nope. <laughs> um, but I tried, and that's all that matters. Yes. I did the bare maximum. Yes. Our new t-shirt like design. That. I like the bare maximum. I just, I'm, I'll make the bare maximum. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. Okay. Thank you so much. You're welcome. So you can buy that that <laughs> shirt someday soon on our T Public store, uh, tpublic.com slash thebechtelcast, and then back to the the Matreon plug. Mm -hmm. You can go to patreon.com slash bechtelcast and sign up for our matreon which is two bonus episodes every single month mm -hmm. plus 
our backlog of all of our existing Matreon episodes. So nearly 50 bonus episodes. If you Lots. burn through the main feed, there's more. Uh, this month we did Into the Spider-Verse, and we are also, we have an upcoming Matreon episode about Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yes, because it was my birthday month selection, and yes. those, that's what I picked. We did cartoons. Hooray! It was great. Um, I, I'm going to do a quick pluggy. If you're an international listener living in... Just like Paddington Island, is. Yes, it, he listens to the podcast. <laughs> All residents of the UK yeah. are cordially invited. I'll be at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival all of August doing my show Boss Whom is Girl. So if you're around there, perhaps there'll be some Bechtel cash shows as well. We don't know. Oh, yeah, we're working on it. That's a tease. I'm going to go to Paddington Station while I'm there. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm just going to roll around on the ground. <laughs> I'm just, just going to soak it up. You're, and then someone's going to show up and be like, we've got to adopt this adorable yes. woman. I'm like, please look after this woman <laughs> and then someone will take me home so yeah look out for all of that and thanks for listening uh everyone thank you for indulging me and in letting me do this paddington episode it was a gift i had such a great time and i love these movies so much hey, okay bye, bye. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. This is Raquel Willis from Queer Chronicles. Right now, there are close to 500 anti-LGBTQ plus bills in state legislatures across the country. Lambda Legal is leading the charge against these hateful bills that target mostly trans and non-binary people. You can fight discrimination and help write the next chapter of Lambda Legal history. To learn more about their open cases and to donate, visit lambdalegal.org. That's lambdalegal.org. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.